Good morning. I don't think I need that. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together with you this morning. And I'm glad to be here and I thank you for the opportunity to come and share from God's Word with you this morning. Now, Pastor Don assured me that you all know who I am, so I don't need any introduction, but let me just, uh, let me just say, uh, my name is Gilbert Nye, and I'm here today with my wife Lydia and uh, one of our sons, Christopher, and we're just glad to be here with you and uh, have this opportunity to get to know you and for you to get to know us, and uh, right now for us to open God's Word together. So as we do that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for uh, the many blessings You have given to us. And we thank You for the blessing of Your Word that teaches us and guides us and shows us who You are and shows us how to live. And Lord, we pray this morning as we open Your Word that You would speak to us, You would open our hearts to hear what, we have to, or that what You have to say to us. And we pray in Your Son's name, Amen. You know, have you ever felt let down? Have you ever felt kind of disappointed in somebody or something? You know, you, you, might have, you might have thought something was going to happen in a certain way and it, it just didn't. You know, sometimes those things, I think they're just part of life. They're just part of, of the everyday life that we have. You know, they, they, they aren't anything unusual. We shouldn't be surprised by those sorts of things. But still, they're kind of difficult at times. Sometimes those things that disappoint us and sometimes those things that... Uh, that, that don't happen that we want to, to happen, uh, sometimes they're just small things. And it doesn't really, doesn't really affect us very much. Sometimes they're big things. Sometimes they're real disappointments that go deep down and touch the, the center of our soul and really hurt. And they hurt a lot. You know, it, it, it's, it's almost part of life. And, it, you know, when we were serving in Zambia, that... These sorts of things were, were a common thing. I don't know how many times I'd set up a meeting, set up an appointment with someone, and I'd be either waiting for them to come to me or I'd go to them and they weren't there. They didn't show up. And, you know, you, you, you just kind of got used to that. And that was, just seemed to be part of life. Life was so much more unpredictable and uncontrollable there that that was just, that was just part of life. That was just what happened. But still, sometimes those things happen and, and we feel betrayed. We feel disappointed. We feel frustrated that the things that we wanted, the things that were important to us, they, they didn't happen. And we, we, we wonder what is God doing in all of that? Maybe some of us that have been around a little bit longer, maybe when those disappointments come, we, we, we actually don't feel much at all because we've been uh, hurt so many times. And I just say, may God... Help us and heal us from those things. But as we think of faithfulness, as we think of that idea of being faithful and someone being faithful and us being faithful, our mind and our hearts should turn to God. Because God is faithful. He is 100% faithful. He won't let us down. And the passage I want us to look at today is a passage that is recounting, is remembering the feelings that the people of God experienced as they remembered a faithful God, as they had a first-hand experience and first-hand knowledge of, of a faithful God at work in their lives. 
And so as we look at our passage today, I want us to be thinking about faithfulness. I want us to be thinking about how God is faithful to us and how God helps us and how God has been faithful to us as individuals and faithful to us as a body of believers here. And so I want us to turn today, this morning, to Psalm 126. Psalm 126 says, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out with weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Now this is what is called, this psalm is, a, is what's called a psalm or a song of ascent. And these were special songs that were sung at certain times of the year and at certain points in the life of the, the, the Israelites. And these were songs that were sung as they were moving up to the temple in Jerusalem to worship God. This is a song that they were singing as they were ascending. They were climbing the hill up to Jerusalem. They were climbing in Jerusalem inside the city up to the temple to worship God. And so, this was a song they sung as they were ascending. This is a song of joy and hope. When you look in your Bible, you'll see many psalms, especially in this section of the psalms, are there and they are psalms of ascent. And so they sang a whole group of these as they were going up because it wasn't just a couple hundred people going up to worship God. It wasn't just three or four hundred people. But these were thousands and thousands of, of, of faithful followers of God who were going up to worship God. And you can imagine the wonderful sight and sound that would have been as thousands of them are moving up the hill to Jerusalem moving through the city and singing these psalms, singing these songs, celebrating God and His faithfulness and all He had done. It must have been a wonderful, a wonderful thing to see. And it was happened about three times a year at certain festivals. The worshippers would go up to Jerusalem and be singing these songs. And these songs are songs of hope and joy. And so as I looked at Psalm 126 here, I saw in this psalm two seasons, if you will. Two, two phrases or two phases of life and two, uh, two aspects to this song. The first one is a season of joy. In verses 1-3, to we get a, a sense of joy in this passage. You know, and, and it's joy celebrating God's faithfulness. It's joy coming from uh, knowing God and knowing His faithfulness. Remember Christmas? Just a few months ago. You know, Christmas is a time of year where we look forward to something. We look forward to, especially as you're, uh, for the children, they look forward to the gifts that, are, that they're going to get. And you know, you, that, that builds year after year because you, you, know, you have one Christmas. And then you know what you, you, you learn what's going to happen. You learn that certain things are going to happen. You're going to, to have certain uh, family traditions and you're going to end up getting presents. And then the next year comes along. 
And you look forward to Christmas even more because you know what happened last year. And so you're looking forward eagerly to Christmas and you're, because there was something that, was, that happened. There were, you were looking forward with anticipation to a promise that's going to be fulfilled, that something exciting is going to happen on Christmas morning. And even for us as adults, we look forward to, to those sorts of things. We look forward to those times and we look forward to Christmas when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Yes, but it's also a time of family, of eating together, maybe time off work and school. And we're filled with joy at the anticipation of what's going to come. So the anticipation of, of those sorts of events is, is great and it's wonderful. But it's the fulfillment of them that brings real joy. And here in this psalm, the, the, the psalmist is talking about that joy. We see joy in the life of God's people here expressed in this psalm because God has been faithful to them. And he says in verse 1, the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. So years in, in, in years past, the people of God had been disobedient to God. And the prophets came and they warned God's people and they said, if you continue to do this, if you continue to disobey God, you need to be careful because, because judgment is coming. They had a hard message for people to hear and they warned again and again, this is what's going to happen. And we see just as an example of that in the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 25, Jeremiah warns the people of God. Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 1, the prophet writes and he, he says, The word came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. The word of God came to Jeremiah and he spoke it to the people of Judah. And this is part of what he had to say to them. He said, and though the Lord has sent all His servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid any attention. God had sent the prophets to speak a warning to them and they were not listening. The people of God were not listening and now they were being sent into exile as punishment for their disobedience. But in that message of judgment and in that message, there is a message of hope too. And the prophet of Jeremiah, he brings that message as well because in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 and 11, it says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So Jeremiah gives that Warning at one point, but he gives a hope. He gives a promise. And then what happens? Eventually, the, the people of Israel, after 70 years, they're restored to Jerusalem. They're, they're released from captivity and they're allowed to go back to Jerusalem. And this is what Psalm 126 is celebrating. He says, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, God did something. He's saying God did something amazing. God brought them back. He fulfilled. God fulfilled His promise to His people. God was faithful. He didn't let them down, but He looked after them. Even in that captivity, God was there with them and He was looking after them. The psalmist says in verse 1, we were like men who dreamed. This was a dream come true. 
He remembers this. They're remembering this. This was like a dream come true. It's beyond what they could even imagine would happen. It was something they would dream that they would be restored to Jerusalem. And so there's great joy here. And he says, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy in verse 2. So they had this joy because of God's faithfulness to them in restoring them to their, uh, to their homeland. And even the nations around them were touched by this. It says that the, it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The other nations around them would have looked at them and said, Israel's finished. They've been taken off to Babylon. They're never coming back. How are they going to do that? And yet here they're watching God bring them back. And, and even the nations who were not followers of God were saying, their Lord has done great things for them. And so they're filled with joy. The second part of Psalm 126, verses 4 to uh, to 6, is a season of hope. And they have a hope. So they have a joy knowing what God has done, but they also have hope there. And the psalmist starts verse 4 by saying, Restore our fortunes, O Lord. He has hope that God is going to do something for them. He's remembering what God has done in the past, but he's looking forward to seeing what God has for them in the future. Something has happened. He says, restore our fortunes. It's not clear what exactly has happened, but one of the things, one of the possibilities there is that when the, the exiles returned to Jerusalem, they got back to Jerusalem and they found the city needed a lot of work. And we read about that in Ezra and Nehemiah about rebuilding the walls of the city. They got back to the city and found it. It, it was in partial ruins. And now they had a lot of work to do. And so he's saying, you know, we're back, but now restore our fortunes. Whatever the struggles might be, the reality of life is that even when God does something, life still can be difficult. And whatever the difficulties were, in the midst of the joy of seeing what God has done, the psalmist is also saying, we are waiting for you to do something even more. We have hope in that. And we're asking you to restore our fortunes. And he says they will uh, sow in tears and they will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy. They're saddened by their situation. They're not happy about what's happened. They're not happy about what they found now that they're back in, in, uh, in Jerusalem. But God's faithfulness is there. God's faith, they're still trusting in God to help them in their situation. They didn't just ignore their problems or their situation, but they went to God and they said, God, you've been faithful to us. Now, do it again, Lord. Restore our fortunes. Help us once more in this situation that we're in. The people weren't always, uh, always that forgiving of God. They grumbled and complained to God at times, but here the psalmist is asking, God, restore our fortunes. Help us in our troubles today. We know You've helped us in the past. Help us today. So we see these two seasons. A season of joy and a season of hope in Psalm 126. And we have to stop and ask, what what is God saying to us today through this passage? Maybe we've been thinking of something as as we've been looking at it briefly, but let me suggest there's a a couple of things that strike me about this psalm in particular. that, that give us something to think about. The first one is God is sovereign in all of this. 
you know, we probably know that and uh, there's, there's going to be a, a, a life group on uh, biblical foundations and I'm sure that's one of the things that you talk about is that God is sovereign. But sometimes we need to stop and even think about these common things that maybe we take for granted about God. God is sovereign. He is ruler over all things. And the psalmist, he doesn't say it using those words, but it's implied here in in verse 1 of Psalm 126. He says, the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. God brought back the captives. The psalmist knows this was God at work. The Lord did it. It wasn't their strategic plan that they that the that the Israelites put together while they were in Babylon. They didn't sit and have all, all sorts of meetings and devise some sort of clever strategy to mount an escape from Babylon and run away in the middle of the night. It wasn't their planning. It wasn't their wisdom. It wasn't the strength of their armies or uh, the strength of anybody's armies. But it is the Lord who did this for them. It was God who is in charge of all things and it was God who was even in charge of the king of Babylon who didn't even recognize Yahweh, God, as, the, as, as His God. And, and yet, Yahweh was at work in that, in that person to release the captives, to send them back. God is sovereign in our lives today too. And that's what we mean when we say Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that word means, Lord. It means that yes, We're saying You are Lord. You are in charge. You are sovereign over us. And so that just reminds us of that reality that God is in charge of all things. And we need to live our lives in a way that would demonstrate to God that He is sovereign over us. That He is in charge of us. I think sometimes we don't live that way. We give God a a little corner of our lives we give God a few minutes here on Sunday morning and we say, God, that's, that's the part of life that You are in charge of. The rest of my life is mine. And I don't want to share it with You. But God is there. And He is sovereign. He is in charge. And we need to think, how do we live our lives in a way, as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we live our lives in a way that demonstrate that God is sovereign over our families? and over our friends, and over our work, and over our school, whatever it is we're doing, and everything that we do, we need to say, God, You are sovereign over this. The second thing that we see here in Psalm 126 is that God is faithful. And I think that ties back into the idea that, that, that we have joy and that we have hope. God is faithful. How do we handle disappointment and discouragement in our life? We often handle it by looking back and seeing in the past what God has done. And then we can look ahead to the future and we can be encouraged because we know that God has been faithful to us in the past. And even if the, the, what we're going through right now is difficult, we, we move forward. You know, one of the things that we encountered when we were working in Zambia is that, 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 that the Zambians, for, for a number of reasons, would often get stuck looking backwards and longing for the good old days. And it was hard sometimes to, to be moving forward and to say, no, don't be, don't be looking back and saying, I wish things were the way they were 10 or 20 years ago. 
But keep moving forward. Move on to what God has for you. But we all can fall into that trap of looking back and longing for the good old days. And we look and the people of, of God and the nation of Israel did that. They, they longed for the good old days. And it's kind of surprising a little bit. And we see in Numbers, for example, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 5, they were grumbling. They didn't like the, the food that God was providing for them. And so they said, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. So they were grumbling. They were thinking, oh, it was better back in Egypt. You know, we had all this food. Really? It was better back in Egypt when millions of you were enslaved by the Egyptians? When you were toiling day and night for nothing except the basic essentials of life? Where you're living under the whip of a master? Does that really seem better to you? Is that what you're longing for? And yet they, they were. And then we also see in Exodus chapter, um, chapter 14. In Exodus chapter 14, we have an interesting little passage here in Exodus 14, verses 13, uh, verses 13 and 14. Verses 13 to 15. The people of God find themselves uh, trapped. And so Moses says to the people, it says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Seems like good advice. Just stand there and wait and see what God is going to do. Moses knew God was going to do something dramatic. God was going to do something to rescue them. And Moses says, just sit there and wait. Wait for God to do something. And God then speaks to Moses. And he, God says to Moses, He said, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to Me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Don't get stuck just standing there. Tell them to move on. Keep going. God's saying to Moses, don't stand there. Get moving. Keep going. Go where you're going. Go where you're supposed to go. God wanted the Israelites to move and to move into the promised land. And instead, Moses is saying, no, just stand there. And God says, no, don't stand there. Keep going. Don't get stuck standing still. Keep moving ahead. And we need to do that too, knowing that God is faithful to us. But sometimes we don't want to do that. We fear the future. We're afraid of what might be coming ahead of us. And we have, we, we have fear, so we don't want to move forward because we, we don't know what's happening. You know, and sometimes we might be afraid of the future because we're afraid we might fail if we step out in faith. And I've experienced that. When I made the decision to leave my engineering career and go to seminary, it was, a, it was a tough decision to make for all kinds of reasons. But one of them is, you know, I hadn't been in school for a number of years. And even when I was in school, I was studying engineering. How am I going to succeed at my studies in, at seminary? And I was afraid that this was just, I was going to fail. I wasn't going to be able to do it. And then what would I do? And then how foolish would I look? And it was really difficult. And I remember clearly the first day at seminary sitting in class and being totally terrified because of the discussion that was going on. And I just thought, there's no way I can do this. 
And I went to the professor afterwards and I talked to him a little bit and said, I don't think I can do this. And he said, don't worry. It'll be okay. You'll manage. And I did, obviously. I, I managed. But I was afraid of failing in that. Sometimes we just fear the unknown and we look ahead to the future. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. and So we're afraid of that. We want to be in control. We like to, to know what's going on. We like to control our lives. But sometimes we have to step out in faith Trust God and know that God is faithful to guide us into the future. I had a very good friend of mine who's now gone to be with the Lord and he invited me to a men's meeting at his church one day and I'm the kind of person who likes to know what's going on. And so I asked him, I said, Bob, um, how many people are going to be there? And he kind of told me and then I said, well, how long is it going to go for? What's going to happen? These sorts of things. And he was a really close, dear friend of mine and he, said, he looked at me and he said, Gilbert, he said, do you trust me? And I said, yeah, Bob, I trust you. He says, I'm not going to lead you into some place that's going to make you uncomfortable, that you're not going to be blessed and encouraged by. Don't ask so many questions. Just come to the meeting. It'll be okay. And Bob taught me an important lesson about God at that time. That we need to trust God even if we don't know what the future holds because we don't. Even if we fear that unknown, we know that God is faithful. We know that He's going to look after us. We know that He is going to care for us. And so we can step out into the future confidently. The future might not sometimes be what we expect it to be. It might not unfold just the way we planned. And we've had that experience in our lives too. When I, you know, when I, uh, when I started my, my walk with Christ, I had no idea where it was going. And I was just sitting here this morning just, just a few minutes ago thinking, God, how on earth did I ever get to a place where I'm standing in front of this congregation at this church in Vancouver speaking to you this morning? What a journey it's been. It was certainly nothing I ever expected or ever planned in my life. But God is faithful. And He's seen us through and directed us to this point, to this point here today. God is faithful. And He is good. So how do we live in light of Psalm 126? Well, we need to remember God's faithfulness. And we need to let it fill us with joy and hope. We hold on tightly to the past. And yet at the same time, we keep the other hand open to receive what God has for us in the future. You know, sometimes we hold on tightly to the past with both hands. We don't want to let go. We're afraid to let go and really trust God. And we hold on tight with both hands to the past, but it causes us then to fail to grasp the blessings of the future. And so we hold on to the past with both hands. We need to remember who God is. We need to stop and think that He has been faithful. Look to Him to strengthen us and reassure us for the future. And that's what the psalmist is doing. He's saying, remember what God has done in the past. Restore our fortunes. Look after us now in the future, God. And we've been learning that lesson. Our family has been learning that lesson uh, just in the last few months. You know, our journey from Zambia back here to Canada has been one of holding on to God's faithfulness. We've seen God be faithful to us so many times in the past years of our service in Zambia 
And yet we, we ended that. We, we saw God bring that to a close, but we don't know what's happening in the future. And so we hold that openly. And we say, God, I'm open to receive whatever You have for us. But we look back. We hold on to, the, to God's faithfulness in the past and look forward to what God has for us in the future. We can't see what's happening tomorrow. We don't know. There's no way for us to know, but we just have to trust in an unchanging God. God won't let us down. He was there in the past. He's here with us today. He'll be there with us in the future. He's not going to let us down. God is faithful. He demonstrated it to the Israelites. He showed them that He is faithful. And they trusted Him. We should do the same. Trust in God's faithfulness to us. We hold on to the past and that gives us strength to look forward to God's faithfulness in the future. And let that experience of God's faithfulness in the past give us courage to be open.